1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. But as it is written, eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love Him. But God has revealed them to us through His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. Tonight I'd like to speak to you on the subject, the deep things of God. The deep things of God. Leadership should be in the Spirit. It is my conviction that spiritual leaders should allow the Holy Ghost to guide them. We should follow the leadership of the Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ. We value prayer and then after hearing from the Lord, preaching or teaching what the Lord chooses to say to His people. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I believe in being systematic in teaching and planning what you teach. We don't always have to have a voice from heaven to know about the needs that we should address in our teaching and preaching. Paul addressed in writing things he heard that were going on in the church in Corinth, uh, and I will talk from those chapters tonight. But I'm teaching a repetitive series, or when we're teaching series in children's ministry, or with crowd-age students. We have some things that we want them to know, be, and do. And when we're dealing with specific ages of students, we have spiritual goals for them uh, that we intentionally repeat over and over. We, in fact, have a curriculum with flexibility built into that curriculum. In the life of a church, there are also recurring themes that need to be addressed. Uh, it It is within the scope of pastoral leadership to address known needs, issues, or problems. And there are core doctrines that need to be repeated. We must be vigilant to not neglect the things that we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip away from us, as the writer of Hebrews told us. The Apostle Peter in 2 Peter 1 and 12 said that as long as I'm alive, I'm going to continue to remind you of things you already know and that you even may be standing firm in. But he said, I think I need to keep reminding you. So some things we review over and over, core doctrines, apostolic identity, and those types of things that are integral to our relationships with God. Way back in 2006 and in 2007, we had two themes in our church. In 2006, our theme was Into the Deep. In 2007, we addressed the theme of Treasures of the Deep. Into the Deep gave us an aquarium at the front of our church that we had to keep clean. And uh, it also starred in the short movie, Super Pastor, uh, the cleaning of the aquarium. If you are here in 2006, I'm sure you at least remember the aquarium. Well, when I was praying about an article, the article for October's Messenger, I felt the Lord directed me to the idea of going deep wasn't really thinking about our themes of the past, but I've since been reviewing them and looking at some of the concepts that I had studied them because I believe the Lord is calling our church into a deeper walk with Him. Amen. Now, there are lots of ideas, various ideas on what it means to be deep versus what it means to be shallow. 
you may have your idea of what it means to be a deep person. And there are various ways of saying this. You can go deep in the earth to find hidden treasures. You can go deep into the ocean to discover the treasures of the deep. And I don't plan to stick with any particular form of imagery like the ocean or like mining in the earth. But hopefully the theme will be cohesive as we talk about the deep things of God and going deep. Hopefully this month, each of us can personally respond to God's eternal call for us to know Him in a more significant way. To not just splash in the shallows of Christianity, but to truly walk with God. If you've not read the article I wrote, I recommend that you go to our website. This was sent to our church family on Sunday, September 27th. But you can go to our website and you can read this article because many of the key concepts we'll address this month were in a concise nutshell form in the article. Amen. I will not try to address every way that we can go deep, but there are some things that are, that are pretty obvious to us. We can go deeper in the Word of God. We can go deeper in prayer. We can plunge deeper in worship and we need a revival of worship. We can go deep in relationships with God's people because fellowship is a doctrine of the New Testament church. And you may have your ideas of what a a deep person is like. A deep person is not always just a serious person. He's on another planet walking around in some sort of spiritual trance. You know, like hallelujah, bumping into a wall. That doesn't necessarily mean that you're deep. If you think you're a deep person, you're probably not. Going deep should be a desire, not a destination. Going deep should be a pursuit, not a professed perfection in our lives. The pagan people in Romans 1 professed themselves to be wise and became fools. Some people think that they're deep because they've been in the church for a long, long time. But the writer of Hebrews chapter 5 verse 12, New Living Translation, the writer said, you've been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again. You've already been taught this, he said, but you need someone to go back in a remedial course to teach you again the basic things about God's Word. He said, you are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. What an indictment to people who have been in the church a long time, but are still at an elementary level of spirituality. So the matter of how many years you've been in the way does not make you deep, does not make you spiritual, does not make you mature. It's what you do while you're in the church. It reminds me of the story of a man who appealed to his boss. Others were being promoted ahead of him. And he said, sir, I should be promoted. I have 25 years of experience. His boss looked at him and said, sir, I'm sorry. You do not deserve a promotion. You have one year of experience 25 times. There are people who pray the same prayers, who know the same Bible verses who have not deepened their relationship with God. 
And it is not because it cannot happen. Because regardless of your circumstances, regardless of your intellectual capacity, regardless of the baggage that you brought into the church when you were saved, it is there for us to go into the deeper things of God. Spiritually shallow people. Do not get assigned to the kindergarten class while deep people get assigned to the adult class. Being deep while being able to break down truth into understandable concepts is deep in itself. There is a simplicity beyond complexity. I respect people like Dr. David Bernard, Dr. David Norris, Brother Jerry Jones for being deep people, but making deep concepts clear and understandable. People who are truly deep do not make a practice of revving their intellectual engines to impress you with their brilliance. That is not intelligence. It is arrogance. And it may be a form of ignorance. Your depth, or the lack thereof, is seen in your life. You can tell it by your conversation, what you talk about, and even how much you run your mouth. Proverbs 10 and 19 said that in the multitude of words there is sin, but he who restrains his lips is wise. Ecclesiastes 5.3 said that a fool's voice is known by multitude of words. Sometimes the wisest person in the room, the deepest person in the room, is not the chatterbox, not the person who may be called a motor mouth. Out of the abundance of your heart, Jesus said, your mouth will speak. What's going on inside of you will eventually announce itself through your conversation, through your words. And so your depth or shallowness is revealed by your conversations, by your relationships. Not in all things. All of us talk about the weather and things that are light and fun. I'm not trying to create some type of a pseudo-spiritual zombie here. I'm talking about being truly deep in God, the deep things of God. In fact, I've observed that dull people, as opposed to sharp people, are often bolder and more outspoken in their folly than a prudent person in their wisdom. The most confident person is not always the deepest person. Being shallow or becoming deep depends on your effort to go deep. If you pursue wisdom and the knowledge of God, you can become a deeper person. Your depth is determined by your walk with God. What you pursue and what you're avoiding determines if you go deeper or splash around in the shallows your entire life. What you read, watch. What you consume into your mind and spirit affect your depth. Much of what is offered in entertainment is more likely to dumb you down than make you deep. Depth of soul is developed by digging deep, by diving deep, by going deep into the things of God that truly make you a deeper person. So, why should, why should anyone care about going deep? What's the value of that? Well, I recommend that you dive in and go deep because you can. Because God is deep. There are 
those deep things of God. And He invites us to discover those deep things. It is there for us to go after the Apostle Paul, pray the prayer for the Ephesian church about going into the depths of God. I want to read this entire prayer. It's one I try to commit to memory and sometimes get it mostly right. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height. And to know the love of Christ that passeth knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. That seems impossible. But then the Apostle Paul prays for them saying, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus world without end. Amen. Why should we go deep? Because we can. Why should we go deep? Because we should. Deeper is better. Jesus in Luke chapter 6, verses 47 and 48, said the man who survived the storm did so because he had a strong foundation. And he had a strong foundation because he digged deep. Luke 6, 47. Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. I preached on this passage a couple of times through the years, but on February 3rd, 2019, in a series on foundations. When you compare this story to the parable, similar parable from Matthew chapter 7, you can learn from Luke that these men could have been neighbors. One's house was built on sand and crumbled. One man's house was built on rock and stood. But the wise man that built his house upon the rock, Jesus told us in Luke, he gave us this window into this parable that he dug deep. He went down to something that would be firm and sound and would protect him and help him be sustained in a storm. Jesus, in both of these passages, tells us that being a deep person is hearing and obeying His sayings. That is what makes you deeper. Jesus, in the parable of the soils, taught us that the danger of being a shallow person. Matthew chapter 13, verses 5 and 6. Some, speaking of the seed, fell on stony places where they did not have much earth. They immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. Jesus interprets this parable in verse 20. But he who received the seed on stony places is he who hears the word 
and immediately receives it with joy. Have you seen those people, I mean their first church service, their first exposure to the power of God, they immediately come to the Lord. But they don't go deep. They just survive on spiritual experiences. Easy come, easy go. Easy in, easy back out of the church. Jesus said in verse 21, Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arise because of the word, immediately he stumbles, or the King James says, he is offended. You see, he doesn't have much depth in him. Why should we go deep? Because we can. Why should we go deep? Because we, we should. Because it is there for us. And because we will survive storms and trials if we are deeper in God. If you visualize this person who is that plant with shallow soil. The seed is real. Everyone who has ever been saved by water baptism in Jesus' name. Receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost after having repented of their sins. Faith toward God. Everyone received the same gift of the Holy Ghost. There is no inferior spirit. If it's the Holy Ghost, it's all good. Whether you receive the Holy Ghost and spoke in tongues for 30 seconds or 30 minutes or 30 hours, the Holy Ghost is always good. The seed is the same. But it's what we do with it that determines whether or not we survive the storm and the heat of pressure in our lives. The fatal flaw of this person Jesus told us about in Matthew 13 is they had no depth. They did not put down roots. And then they wilted, withered, and died. That is what happens with a person who does not have a biblical spiritual foundation. A spiritual education that will keep them. Those include the people that the writer of Hebrews spoke about that I referred to earlier in Hebrews chapter 5 who have been around for a long time but are still splashing on the shoreline and have never gone into the deep. Your secular education may be good for many uses, but it actually might be undermining biblical values if it is secular and not spiritual. Now going deep for me is not a trendy thing. It is a lifetime that will ensure your spiritual success and survival. We have people who still need to be taught themselves when they need to be teaching others. Hebrews 5 and 12. It's here again in my notes. I want you to just see it again. I want to highlight Hebrews 5 and 12. You ought to be teaching others. You ought to be teaching others. You should know enough that you don't have to point your friends and relatives and co-workers to a pastor to someone who's a licensed minister. This is for all believers to grow in their walk with God. Amen. Now let me take you to your text. And all portions of this message are not created equal. The Apostle Paul said, I is not seen. 1 Corinthians 2 and 9. Nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things 
which God has prepared for those who love Him. But God has revealed them. He's revealed them to us by His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. I want to do a quick summary of what Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and chapter 2 to focus on this idea. And I am tonight introducing a theme of teaching and preaching, not every service perhaps, but in this month. Corinth, the church in Corinth, is the poster child for church trouble. They are gifted, but they are not godly. They are powerful, but they are not spiritual. There are divisions. They have their favorite preachers, but evidently they use their names to make their own arguments and defend their own factious agendas. They resort to human wisdom and reasoning. They are not walking in the Spirit. Paul says that God will destroy earthly wisdom and bring it to nothing. In 1 Corinthians 1.25, he said that the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Paul said the Jews look for a sign and the Greeks are searching for wisdom. But Paul said, when I came to you, I did not come with the enticing words of man's wisdom. 1 Corinthians 2.4 And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. You see, you can you cannot argue with the miracle. You cannot argue with the supernatural. You cannot you can deny the power of God, but you cannot defeat it. To the Corinthian people, and I'm not speaking to the Christians now, but let me even roll that back farther to the people in Jesus' day. The Jewish leaders who were not believers, the Roman government, to them God's plan, the cross of Christ, made no sense at all. The proof of this Paul shows in chapter 2 that the Jewish leaders were blinded to God's plan. The leaders strained their brain trying to ascertain what was going on in God's grand plan but they could not wrap their brains around it because you cannot get it intellectually. Those leaders could not know and Satan did not know what hit him when God's plan blindsided him with the death, burial, resurrection, ascension of Jesus Christ and the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Every Jewish person had access to Old Testament Bibles, or teaching rather. And they would have known from Isaiah 53, they would have known from Psalm 22, that the Messiah would come as a suffering Savior. But they missed it, they could not comprehend it. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7, But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages For our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. It was not something that they could know intellectually. So human wisdom 
is inferior to God's wisdom. The rulers of that world, both Jews and Romans, could not wrap their brilliant brains around God's plan. As Paul would say in this chapter later in verse 14, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. For they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. I want to just pause a moment to say that your natural man or woman, your human nature, your mind, regardless of low or high IQ, you and I, no matter what human being it is, most brilliant professors, politicians, businessmen and women in the world, no one can comprehend the wisdom and the Spirit of God. The natural man, Paul said, does not receive it. It just seems foolish to him. He cannot even know them. It is like going into a class, a calculus class, when you're a kindergartner, and unless you're a genius, you just can't wrap your brain about it. It is beyond you. That's what it is like for the natural man, the carnal man, to comprehend the things of God. It is virtually impossible. Even Satan fell for what the the secular Romans did and the spiritual, supposedly, the spiritual leaders, the Jews did. He was complicit in the crucifixion of Jesus. He had no idea what God was doing because it is spiritually deserved. So here, here is my point. No matter how deep you grow in human wisdom and understanding, including secular intellectualism, it is always inferior to spiritual wisdom. I preached about this in 2015 on the superiority of the spiritual. So why? Why would you want to traffic in the shallow ways of the world when you could traffic in the deep things of God? Paul then gives this punchline, this test. Eyes not seen it. 1 Corinthians 2, 9. The eye cannot see it. The ear cannot hear it. Even the intuition, the human heart, cannot grasp it. The things that God has prepared. But God has revealed them. They can be ascertained by the Spirit. You can get it, but you cannot get it intellectually or naturally. You have to get it by the Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. Paul says, eyes and ears and human intuition cannot grasp what God has in mind. But it does not mean that you cannot know them. You cannot know them by by your flesh, by your human ability. I may refer later to Job 28, when Job speaks of animals that cannot comprehend the value of gold and silver and things that are mined. I'm not trying to downplay or criticize education or IQ. I'm not doing that at all. That is not my intention. I respect intelligence that has been baptized in humility and a knowledge of God. Before the knowledge of God is the beginning of knowledge and wisdom. And if you don't start there, you're not going anywhere at all.
So God is not silent. He's speaking, Paul said. He's revealing this. He doesn't reveal it to the deep-based unspiritual mind. He reveals it by His Spirit. That's what 1 Corinthians 2 and 10 says. But God has revealed them to us through His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. You see, God has some deep things to reveal by His Spirit. Can you imagine what God must have in mind for His grand finale of human history? I know we know some things from prophetic books in the Bible, including the books of Daniel and Revelation. We have, we have insight into what God is going to do. But the, ruler of the uh, rulers of this world, in His first coming and toward His second coming, the brightest minds in the room cannot comprehend what God is going to do. They cannot imagine what He has in store for the end. The book of Revelation, the unveiling of Jesus Christ in the end. I believe that God's grand finale will be more stunning and mind-boggling than His first humble entrance into the world. Would you like to know? Do you want to grow? Do you feel the invitation? of the Holy Spirit calling you to go deeper. You see, spiritual experiences alone will not make you go deep. It's a decision. I had a tremendous experience at a youth camp when I was 16. But it's what I did when I went home to make commitments to God in prayer, fasting God's Word and strengthening my convictions that drew me closer to God. And thank God I had a best friend that I could be accountable to and help me and we could grow together. My commitment to ministry grew out of that consecration to God. It wasn't the other way around. Going deep is what we decide to do. And if we deepen our ministry, God will broaden it. But ministry involvement alone will, will not make you deeper I've quoted Brother T.W. Barnes before that many men have failed God working for God, but no man has ever failed God walking with Him. I preached on September 20th and October 3rd about the value of finding your place in ministry. But it's not all about doing something for God. and It is being something for God. It is walking with Him. Paul said, I don't want to preach to others and Myself be a castaway. So I encourage you to separate yourself to God for a season of prayer and fasting, for time of drawing near to Him. For I can tell you that God is calling us out of the shallows and into the deep to know Jesus and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His suffering. For there are many people who are suffering from spiritual boredom and it is not because there is not an adventure awaiting you. It is because we are staying shallow and not going deep. But I believe God is calling me and God is calling you into the deep things of God. Would you bow your head right now and let's pray. Hallelujah. Lord, I 
Lord, will be obedient to your voice. And I know, Lord, that there are seasons in life, seasons in a church. While it is always in season to go deeper, there are times, Lord, when you call us to the depths of relationship with you. For out of our hearts, Lord, are the issues of life. It's out of the depth of our walk with you that we minister to the world. For we are people, Lord, that believe in the power of Pentecost that fell on that first day and still falls today. We believe, Lord, that men are not converted by an intellectual argument alone. They are brought to you by an understanding that is spiritual, that opens their spiritual eyes and ears to the revelation of God. So help us, Lord, in our own lives and in our corporate worship experiences in our church. Help us, Lord, go deeper in you, Father. For I know that you are calling us there. And as your word said, Lord, deep calls to the deep. And there are deep things of God. So help us, Lord, not just stay in the ABCs, in the first steps, Lord, but help us mature in you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.